never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview and right now is a fantastic time for you to press the like and subscribe button down there because I've got fantastic guests coming onto this show. I mean, I'm I'm so blessed and privileged to talk to, to all these wonderful people who all have often enough gone through hell and back and kept going and now are there to tell their story, to tell about their transformation, their the lessons they learned the hard way, so that you don't have to learn the same lessons the hard way and even worse ways that there are out there. So guys, today is a fantastic day because I've got Carrie Shell with me. Carrie is a fellow traveler, uh, is a woman who is out there to make this world a little bit of a better place. And in her case, actually one client at a time. And she is she has thought, nah, I can do better. I can reach out to the millions out there by coming onto shows like mine um, and help us to understand not so healthy relationships with drinking. In this case, great drinking. And that is a, a topic dear to my heart. I'm so pleased that I've got Carrie with me. Carrie Shell, welcome to my show. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> um, we all find our topics. Well, let's rephrase that. Typically, our topics find us. Um, because <laughs> life just throws us curveballs left, right, and center. That's what life does. It, it throws us challenges. And uh, certainly, hell, there were a lot of challenges for me, which I was not so good in dealing with. Um, so I used alcohol a lot mm -hmm. to deal with that. Yeah, great. And I'm a kid of the 60s, and, and my high days were the 80s, where alcohol was ubiquitous. What about you? I mean, you are, what was your journey with alcohol? And where did you realize that great drinking is something that you're really passionate about? Right. Thanks for asking. Um, I was an addiction specialist. Well, I am an addiction specialist and I was the director of health and wellness for a residential addiction center. So very familiar with the alcoholic journey, the addiction journey. In fact, in my own family, my personal life that has been interwoven into my family. It wasn't until COVID that I actually heard the term gray drinking and being an addiction specialist, it was new to me. So when I started to do some reading, there was very little out there, but I did realize that I was self-identifying, that I, in fact, the addiction specialist was now the gray drinker. So gray drinking is when we find our relationship with alcohol has become unhealthy. I'm not an alcoholic, so I don't have a clinical disease, but I know that things had gone to a point where I wasn't really feeling comfortable with it. I was having thoughts, questioning if I was drinking too frequently, maybe too, too much at one time. So those are some good telltale questions that if you're having that internal dialogue, you may be a great drinker too. Cool. Let's do a little test with you. Okay. <laughs> Four questions uh, that I pose to you that might sound actually rather familiar to you. Um, have you ever thought you needed to cut down on your drinking? Oh, 100%. Mm. I mean, there have been many times I've had that thought. Right. Um, were you sometimes getting angry uh, when other people commented on your drinking? 
Well, that's the thing about gray drinking is that because we're not at that point of, say, addiction or alcoholism, the amount we're drinking seems appropriate and not necessarily out of place. Mm. So you're, you're not receiving that feedback or those comments. Nice. Have you ever felt guilty about your drinking? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And from now and then, did you need an eye opener in the morning? Um, maybe um, a Bucks Fizz or uh, let's have a champagne breakfast. Um. <laughs> you know what? Uh, to be honest, I don't think a lot of great drinkers have that feeling. I think what it is more is in my case, and I, I don't think I'm alone. A lot of great drinkers can tend to be on that type A personality scale. So from the outward appearance, you have all your stuff together. You're probably, you have a good job or um, a, a successful career. You have healthy relationships with partners and children. Yeah. You have great friendships. And so from the outside, everything looks really together. And you're probably even really physically fit. Like it, it wouldn't be uncharacteristic. And so what I would say a type A personality does is they they ensure that everything's together and the alcohol is really that that reward at the end. Beautifully said. What I was asking you are the cage questions. And these are the classic mm. screening questions for the for alcoholism as a disease or alcohol use disorder, as it is nowadays uh, supposed to be called. So and normally um, three or four out of four questions. Uh, yeah, you're an alcoholic. Right. And you're right. You're right. This is this is a spectrum, isn't it? From mm -hmm. from I drink nothing and I feel nothing about alcohol towards I drink nothing, but I think about alcohol all the time. Okay, warning. <laughs> uh, yeah. Two words. Oh, no, I live a social life. And social can be very broadly described. Um, and we are nowadays in, in such a life where we are so encouraged to drink. But let's come back to that in a moment. So there you were in COVID. And you were, you, how did COVID hit you in, in, in Costa Rica? Well, actually, at that time, I was living in Nova Scotia. So that's the east coast of Canada. Right. And actually, for me, COVID was a, a, not a negative experience. I, I don't want to say positive because I don't want to diminish mm. the challenges and hardships people went through. But I was living in a little rural town and every day I'd go get out and I'd go for a, a couple hour hike. And it, it was a very... Um, insular kind of reflective time that I felt was very precious. I did a lot of reflection and that's what led me to that awareness of my drinking patterns. Yeah. And that's so, that's so interesting to hear that, that these are patterns, these are habits and habits are basically that you make choices and that you take actions and on a continuous basis. And we are, it's so easy for us to do that. Um, we were your friends equally. Uh, I mean, friends, were, you probably were not allowed or did choose not to mingle with others. Or did you mingle over Zoom or did you meet up mm. with, with, with neighbors uh, over the fence, literally, and sitting there having a drink? Right. How, did, how, um, did, how was life for you? Right. So in COVID in particular, yes, we would 
our family would get together. I have a large family. I have seven kids. And so when they'd get together, part of me as a mom feeling like I was treating them specially or making it seem festive and celebratory was always having, you know, wine and beer and drinks and that kind of thing. Um, In terms of my social life, there was a certain point, I forget at what point during COVID when we were still isolating that I, we would meet with friends. We'd have an outdoor bonfire. We'd all be, you know, in our little quadrants, but we would, they'd be, we would be together in person and there would always be alcohol present. And, you know, just to clarify, it's not that the gray drinker is getting drunk. You know, for me, the situation would have been, you know, I'll have a glass of wine when I'm getting dinner ready. Then I'll, maybe I'll have a glass of wine over dinner and potentially a third glass over the course of an evening. So when I'm looking at it, it's a space of, you know, six, seven hours. I'm not intoxicated, but I've had three glasses of wine or two thirds of a bottle. I was you about know, to, no, 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 I, I need to ask you, is there such a thing as leftover wine? <laughs> yes, like, and I could, I, I don't have to finish a bottle. And so that's ah. the the thing with a great drinker is it's not that you're necessarily getting drunk. You're not, it just seems very, as you were saying, it seems very social. It seems normal. And that benchmark as a society on whole ah. is what we find acceptable to drink the volume and the frequency has really changed, but that doesn't mean that it's the right direction to be going in. And so it's a very subjective um, area for people gray drinking. And it's, it's very, very, it's a, it's a minefield. I mean, uh, what I mean, what I mean with that is from a medical point of view being a doctor there have been a lot of studies some say oh see red wine is good for you beer is good for you because after a workout it gives you the vitamins it it, you get all kind of (laughs) comments if you do um if you do uh men's health women's health you get all these kind of bullshit statistics some of these statistics are actually real statistics. They were born out of, of you know, the, the, the early 2000s where we looked at red wine and they looked at the Mediterranean diet where everyone was drinking a little bit. Oh, that's healthy. Then they found rosveritrol, which is a, a something in the, in the grape skin a molecule that is actually good for you. Brilliant, more wine. So we always find excuses to do so. But unfortunately, um, there were now good studies out there that have shown that every single class every single class you take is reducing your lifespan end of the story Mm. these are the facts and the facts are typically uh, around seven to ten different cancers that get you and uh, arteriosclerosis that then leads to strokes and heart attacks and high blood pressure those kind of things that get you Um, that is really the cost of alcohol so that's mm-hmm. a that's a fact. Now, why does it still come that we have got this kind of very accepted drinking? Because no one is legislating in the alcohol industry. So they self-legislate, which is putting the, the fox in the hen house, bullshit. Um, so they <laughs> so what do they do? They have got millions and millions of dollars of budget, billions of dollars of budget, actually. So they have got clever people. And they came up with the idea, you know what? We put the owners onto the drinkers. So we mm-hmm. say, 
yeah, that's as dodgy. We don't even say that, you know, but we say, we recommend healthy drinking. So therefore, if you can't hold your liquor, that's not my problem. So there you go. And that's so- right. And suddenly, uh, there's all this beautiful drinking there, the mummy wine culture. You've described it so beautiful, the glass that you start with cooking. What did the alcohol give you? I think let's go Mm. to that. Let's go back from big from the big picture to you yourself. When you had a glass of wine, what happened? I think it's that's a great question. And I have really thought about that. And I think it comes down to, for me, I'm a list person. And so I'd have my to-do list. And if I accomplished everything in that day, and if I hadn't accomplished, I would frantically like be getting everything done before I'd have my glass of wine. It was like, okay, this is what you need to accomplish in the day before you can relax and unwind with your glass of wine. So I really had to stop and think, what is the wine giving me? I'm not, I'm not getting intoxicated. Um, and I realized that it was honoring myself, that it is taking that time to slow things down in our world that is increasingly busy. And as you know, a mother and a wife and a friend and someone who is an author and speaker and has their own business and you feel a lot of responsibility and that there's always more to do, more, 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 that the fact, the simple ritual of taking a nice, beautiful glass, getting a bottle, even having the thought, oh, do I have a bottle of wine, you know, at home or do I need to make a special trip, a special thing for me to help in my honoring myself in the ritual? opening the bottle, pouring it, and then sitting down and taking the time where you're not doing anything. You're just engaging in that glass of wine and maybe chatting or maybe just chopping vegetables. Whatever it is, you're allowing yourself permission to let it all go. You're letting all the bullshit, all the to-do lists, and it's all about you, And I, it, but in a healthy nice. way, not a narcissistic way. And so what when you come to realize that, um, you realize that it's not what's in the glass. You can have that same ritual and that same honoring and the same slowing down with soda water and lime. You can still take a beautiful glass. You can still do something and take that time and give yourself the permission. And then you start to realize, well, in my friendship groups, when I'm out for dinner, it's not the wine, the wine that's holding us together or bringing us the connection. It's our relationship. And so then you can let go in different places bit by bit. Right. So that's what it was. That's what it is for me. Beautifully outlined. And because if I compared it with my own reaction, being a super dopamine responder, uh, a.k.a. addict, um, we addicts, we have got a dopamine response. I mean, the feel good, the feel good uh, hormone. Yeah. You know, you give me that glass of wine and I take that glass of wine. I feel the warmth going down into my stomach. And after a few moments, I get this ah, feeling. Yeah. That is what came out for me. 
that beautiful oh yes i can relax and i felt my shoulders going soft from fighter to mm-hmm. constant constant dare demand a hypervigilant ptsd sufferer really uh but no the man who had to gut it together towards oh i can relax more importantly i was like you working 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 type a personality lists for africa going nuts and then i was tired no surprise, I had just worked 16 hours. But I, have, I want to do more. I want to work. I want to work. Cool. Give me two glasses of wine, three glasses of wine. Bing. I'm awake. Meanwhile, I'm relaxed. Um, the analgesia of the wine has kicked in. So I don't feel any 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 pain, neither deep inside pain or physical pain. <laughs> and I can keep going. Yay. Like the Energizer Bunny. So I had a second right. win. Is that something that alcohol did to you? I never really got that like kind of energizer, but it it was definitely the exhale. It was definitely the exhale. Let's sit down and connect. Let's sit down. It was mm. it was almost the signaling of this is where the real stuff happens, where mm. we we're just hanging out together and mm. we get to connect. And it was more that connection. I think I was always driving after and if everyone around you is drinking it's not that it wasn't a peer pressure thing but it it just it just so seamlessly melds into the whole vibe of it right so it's hard to know what where one ends and where one begins so it, it for me i think it was more about the exhale the just slowing it down and also just a signaling now we're now's our time like we're we're committed to being with each other now right mm. it signals that everyone is now present we all have a drink we're all going to sit around and and connect and talk and and appreciate one another so that's what it did for me very good very interesting uh, and therefore you could argue see there's nothing actually wrong with my drinking so if and I like... certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, that... I'd say to myself, yeah, I'd be like, well, if I lived in Europe, I'd be having a couple glasses of wine a day. And no one would even think, like, I'm so uptight. North Americans have just brainwashed me into thinking this is bad. If I was just relaxed and, you know, still living in <laughs> France, I'd be all set. And you, yeah. you can convince yourself of anything. Of course. And that's beautifully said, only because the culture condones it uh, doesn't mean to say it's right or it's healthy. If you look at the the Russian culture of vodka or its relationship with vodka, um, that's uh, rather, rather unhealthy, may I say. Um, So that's the extreme, yet it is normal in this culture. Um, And Mm -hmm. also over times, our relationships have changed. Um, There was a time in the 80s, 90s, when drinking was absolutely normal. Uh, it would be normal if a doctor was in a clinic at lunchtime in the UK. They would nip out, have two, three, four pints um, over uh, some some fish and chips, and then go back to the clinic and see patients right. half numbed. Um, but that was normal drinking yes. part and parcel of society. Now that has changed from that time, but guess what? Alcohol industry doesn't like that. So therefore, Mm. now the pressures have changed and the insidious way of marketing has changed. So, for example, you were saying, um, how do you tempt someone who is a fitness bunny, who is a gym bunny, who wants to go out there? And what do you do? You don't want to have carbs. Carbs are 
evil. And last time I looked, wine and beer are full of carbs. Guess what? The alcohol industry came up with the solution. So now you can have hard seltzers. And if you look at it, we take water, we put some carbon dioxide in it, so carbonated. Um, then we put some, you know, lemon juice or whatever kind of bit of taste mm -hmm. in there. And then we fill it up with alcohol. And now alcohol is cheap, cheap as chips. Uh, all the, the other shit is cheap as chips. <laughs> so now we put it in a in a flashy bottle, put some flashy things around there and market it to the gym bunnies out there. See, you can have your alcohol without the carbs. Go nuts. Celebrate. Drink with your mates. And you think, what the fuck? And, and the way I spell it out, you have to say no one is stupid enough yet in the alcohol <laughs> industry that's exactly what is happening and heart sells us next time you go to a liquor shop or to somewhere have a look around you will be amazed mm. you find them and you think damn and before the heart sells us were the mummy wine culture the pinkifying did you see that in the in 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 the united states and canada the pinkification well, you would see it in terms of marketing younger women in terms um, of like I think it was called skinny girl wine. So it had less calories or um, as you're saying, drinks in cans more easily accessible, but also, you know, to your point about people who want to make sure they're not taking in the carbs or the calories, you just switch to vodka and tequila. Good so, show. and you know, pro problem solved, but of <laughs> course you see it in the marketing, you know, media tells us that if you're, part of like if you're beautiful and you're with it and you have great friends and a great romance you're there's always alcohol involved you know you see increasingly in television and in movies that if you're a kick-ass woman you're drinking scotch and bourbon you know you are drinking hard stuff it's not a glass of wine forget that like if you're the real woman to be reckoned with you're going straight to bourbon and i can tell you i don't know a lot of women who drink bourbon but in the movies they're all drinking scotch and bourbon meat Absolutely. of course yeah but only in one particular channel okay so <laughs> let's be very clear about that there was a beautiful study from the uk where someone actually sat down and looked through the prime streaming channels um and spend literally a thousand hours um watching mm -hmm. through those channels and looked at the most um the most popular series television series that there were and looked at how often is alcohol being displayed or drunk now it turns out every three minutes regardless what you watch it doesn't matter what you watch Every three minutes, there is alcohol being drunk and often in this kind of, yeah, I'm a man or I'm a woman. Or, and then they analyzed what kind of alcohol. And funnily enough, regardless what you watch, there seems to be in that one streaming channel, there seems to be a certain beer that everyone likes. Weird. Really? Uh-huh. And then in the other one, there is a certain whiskey that everyone likes. And you think, you're kidding me. Okay, we they, what happened to alcohol advertisement? No, it's nowadays product placement, and therefore it is so difficult. We are working against a multi billion dollar industry, and they are very clever in wanting you oh, definitely to use their product. So, therefore, it is they are working on all that, that kind of below consciousness brain, and so it's so easy to fall into that pitfall because you get bombarded with it.
they just like it or lump it. Oh, definitely. And it's challenging when your family and friends, you all, you may all be great drinkers. And so to get some perspective, it's really challenging because if you bring these questions up or you're the first one to say, hey, am I drinking too much? They'll say, you're not drinking too much. You don't drink any more than we do. And so you'll just say, yeah, okay, I thought so. Okay, good, okay. And then the, the voices start again and the questions start again and you go to your friends or family again and like, should I take a break from drinking? You don't need to take a break from drink, you know, because everyone's in the same boat. And if they're not in a position to be ready to question or acknowledge that perhaps they need to change, you're not going to get that objective feedback of like, yeah, holy smokes, like we're all drinking way too much. You know, do you notice we're always drinking whenever we're together? When was the last time I saw you that we didn't have a drink? So it's very hard as an individual, as you're saying, we have the marketing geniuses that have psychiatrists and psychologists helping them really hone in on us. Mm. Plus our own patterns of behavior have become such that it's really challenging to step outside that. What I can say to you is if you are questioning and if you've had those questions, be that person to bring it up. You might have the feedback of people telling you you're crazy you're fine look at you you've got a good job your shit's together you got a good marriage you, you look great you're always you know put together whatever it may be but just in asking that might trigger in their brain those questions to start and you might be that one person to have courage if you do a little reset and stop drinking for a bit they may think, you know what, I just needed one other person or yeah, I want to do that too. Mm. So I just encourage people to really listen to that inner guide, to that intuition, to that Holy Spirit within and, and go with it. And that's so beautiful. And you're so right. You're so right. By you taking the leadership within your family or within a circle of friends, that can be a very, very powerful thing to be. That can be just that little Bit of action that little bit of leadership where mm -hmm. actually your friends now get encouraged to come along in the journey and maybe address the fact that they are not so that their relationship with alcohol is not so healthy um what you're describing the great drinking that's the one step below the high functioning alcoholic still same things they've got it all together but now we are really talking a far more intimate relationship with alcohol to be mm -hmm. far more alcohol far more damage so that's a high functioning alcoholic and then you've got sort of the, the whatever picture you've got in your mind as the as the the girl in the gutter kind of a thing um so it's but having said that if you could just start a bit earlier and actually question our our so-called healthy relationship with alcohol um our responsible relation our responsible drinking as the the alcohol industry likes to call it um mm -hmm. often enough you find that there's not much responsible there it is actually uh, a slippery slope um some people hate that they say no i'm strong slippery slope bullshit i'm in control regrettably 95 percent of alcoholics will tell you there's nothing wrong with me so denial it's actually mm -hmm. part and yes. parcel of of the addict okay despite the fact that we 100 in our heart no no we are making really stupid decisions um but 95 percent of people will deny it so therefore okay this is alcoholic now we are talking on on, on the lead up to it 
And some people said, no, it's not a leader. It's just me having a healthy life. Go away. What do you say to that? Mm, that's a good question. And it, it is very subjective to what that role is in your life and why you need it. Sometimes a, a good example would be food. So if you were one who say, you know, was really overweight and you made the decision, you're going to become physically active. You're going to get rid of, we keep talking about carbs, you know, all those filler foods, all those, you know, white carbs and refined sugars, and you're going to eat whole foods, nothing processed, not things out of the box. You're going to start cooking again if you never cooked. Mm. And you're feeling really healthy and great. Whereas before, maybe every day you'd sit down after late and eat a bag of chips, or you, if your thing was cookies and sweets, you'd eat like a half a bag of store-bought cookies or whatnot. So once you become healthy and you realize you get to that spot in terms of your food and your physical wellness, that I don't need that anymore. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can have the odd piece of cake and enjoy it. I love it. But I don't need it every day. In fact, I can look at cake a lot of the times and I can just pass it over. Whereas mm. before I would have had one or two pieces for sure. Mm. So that's how I would liken it to this gray drinking area that we, you want to be in that position where you can have a drink or not, where you're not, you're not doing a mental checklist. Like, do I have beer on hand for tonight? Um, <laughs> that it's not part of part of how you're functioning, that you can go without it, but maybe the odd time you can have a glass because, you know, as we're saying, alcoholism is a clinical disease. And I'm not here to tell people if you're a great drinker, you'll never have a drink again. That I, my whole thing that I want to encourage people, I want them to take a break. I want them to start with at least 10 days, a 10 day reset. If not, go on to 30 and then make an informed decision. I want them then to assess and evaluate how are you feeling physically, mentally, spiritually? Are you realizing now that you're even having a greater connection spiritually in your life? Are you realizing, oh, I was never hungover, but maybe I was foggy because I'm, I'm feeling better. Like there's things that you may not have been throwing up or, I mean, I'm being really cliche here, but mm. you may just feel better. You've dropped 10, 15 pounds. You're, mm. you're realizing, wow, I'm feeling more patient. I'm feeling more loving. I'm feeling mm. more present. And so I just want to create space for people to make the decision and not let the alcohol make the decision for them. But the sad thing is, is that when we go on these breaks as humans, that we're kind of conflicted, that we we reward ourselves for going the 10 or 30 days by having a drink. So I don't know why we do that. We lose the 10 pounds and we have the piece of cake, right? Is that Absolutely. not true? Absolutely. So and true. So it's just creating space. And for someone, they may say, you know what? I just don't even want the alcohol. I do recognize it's putting poison in my liver and I don't want those toxins. And someone else might say, you know what? The odd time, the odd glass of wine here or there or at a wedding or Mm. Uh, whatever the case may be, but they feel more control and they don't need it every day. They, it's something I can take it or leave it. And I think we need to get to that place with alcohol mm. in our lives where you can take it or leave it. So it is not the driver in the seat for you. <laughs> oh, and that's hard. And it can be an uphill struggle. There's no two ways on that because when for you're sure. alone, when you're alone, well, okay. When you're when you're not so alone, eh, difficult. Um, no, other hand, this one there. 
My Steps to Sobriety, my book. In there, there's a chapter called A Heroin-Free Wedding. And it starts off with a mum and uh, and daughter being in the kitchen. And the daughter says to mum, hey, can we talk wedding? And, oh, yeah, 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 let's talk wedding. Yay. And the daughter says, look, look, mum, I really thought about it. Um, if it is okay with you, I would like to have a heroin-free wedding. And mum says, what? Oh, my God, darling, I, are you addicted? What's going on? Do we need help? Oh, my God. And she's, no, no, no. It's just, I just want to make sure that, we, that we're on the same page. No, no, I'm not addicted at all. No, I've, I don't use heroin. But it's okay that we do a heroin-free wedding. Yes, of course we do a heroin-free wedding. And, oh, God, and then they give each other a big hug. And then the daughter says, okay, brilliant. I mean, I'm so pleased that you're so understanding. So I thought we will do also, we'll do an alcohol-free wedding. Mum drops a plate and think what the hell you can't do that no there's no way <laughs> so what's the difference okay so you're fighting against that that standard you're fighting against that um so let's not be silly whilst you want to make changes in your life um the, there might be forces out there that will try mm. to stop you what do you tell someone who actually wants to change but feels maybe that they want to please others, that they want to be, um, you know, maybe maybe deep in their heart, they know they're a people pleaser. They do first everything for someone else and then then look after themselves. Mm -hmm. What would you what would you recommend someone in this position, that daughter mm -hmm. that wants an alcohol free wedding? Yeah, that, it, it's really challenging um, because the same issues will come up with an alcoholic as it were will for a great drinker in the sense of if I'm the great drinker and my husband is a great drinker and I decide that I'm going to go say 10 days without hmm. a couple of things could happen. He could say, that's great, honey. I totally support you. Like, what hmm. can I do? Like we won't have alcohol in the house, blah, blah, blah. And he may say, you know what? I might still have a drink outside of the house, but I won't have it in the house. Okay. Hmm. Or he may say, I'm going to do it with you. Perfect. You're on the same page. You're both. That makes it very easy. Or you could have someone who's basically like, I'm not changing anything. That's your deal. I'm still going to drink in the house. I'm still. And so what that makes you do is you're, there's a bigger thing there, right? It, it's going to force you to look at the relationship in a whole new way. Why was alcohol so important in that relationship? Why does it need to stay present? What do you have in your relationship if the alcohol is taken away? Yeah. Can you be physically intimate without alcohol? Do all of your conversations happen with alcohol? You know, so it, 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 you go into deeper questions. And that's why I actually have a free 10-day reset on my website. And that's just kind of like the tiptoeing into it. Because when you decide that you want to go further 30 days, that's when the meat comes. That's when you, you look at the friendships. Okay, I have great friends, but what do, we, like, what do I have with them? What are we going to do if I take alcohol out of the equation? Am I going to enjoy being with them? Do we do things that don't involve alcohol? Um, am I going to find that I don't like them? Like what, you know, what, what was the glue? What was the substance? What was real? And that's going to permeate a lot of things in your life. It's going to impact how you interacted with kids. Yeah. If you have children, maybe there's some issues in 
and owning and owning what your behavior as a parent and how that may have impacted. And I'm not saying talking about physical or verbal or emotional abuse, but you just may realize that you some things just weren't how they should have been or they should have been better. So there's a lot of work to do. And in terms of the people pleasing, that's a whole other a whole other picture. You know, why is someone a people pleaser? We go back and look at those first bonds as children. What are they lacking? You know, there's obviously some sense of lack and, and needing to please in order to be acknowledged and welcomed and received. So, the, you know, as humans, we have the innate need to bond. And if we can't bond with one another and make those connections, we'll bond with whatever gives us a sense of relief. Mm. So we can't, maybe we can't bond and connect due to trauma, abuse, neglect, mental illness, whatever the case may be. Um, and we'll find something that gives us that connection and relief. And it could be alcohol, drugs, mm. pornography, mm. shopping, social media, gambling, whatever it is, we'll find something. And so in this, to the same uh, end, a gray drinker, there, there is a reason, like there's something that you're doing there for yourself and you, you've got to do the work to, to find out and own, and own what that work needs to be done. So true. So true. And that's beautifully said, Carrie. I mean, it's, it's, it is really a, um, it's not easy. So the the kind of dry July, hey, I don't drink for a month. And it's all quite pretty. Um, but uh, if you don't do the work, um, if you don't actually ask the right questions and maybe get guided to ask the right mm -hmm. questions to yourself, then probably things will not change. Um, it doesn't. That's happen. right. So it is. And it's hard. It's really hard to do that. Or it becomes a burden. It's a burden. You're doing it. You're doing the 30 days. You're doing your sober October exactly. or your whatever. But instead of it becoming ease and flow, you're fighting it and resenting it. And it, you don't get to that place of acceptance. Mm. And so it, it can be really challenging nice. for the individual who doesn't feel supported and who isn't doing the work. Mm. Indeed, right. And you i think we have two or three times in this interview already pointed towards the why why do you enjoy a glass of wine beer or hot liquor there is a damn good reason for it and the reason can be that you want to escape your reality although mm -hmm. if you're in that group it's likely that you don't stop with one glass because one glass is not enough to escape your reality it's just mellows it a bit if that um so that could be one reason um there could be many other reasons that are there and i think that is something that that intentional living will will lead you to the problem with the intentional living if you've never tried it you don't actually know what the hell you're talking about and what the hell are you doing so it is it is i guess a process of transformation where you realize that you're actually grateful for all those choices that you potentially can make every second and that you start asking the questions well is that choice that i'm just about to make that piece of cake 
um, that that half a bag or a bag of cookies or that bottle of wine. Is that really actually bringing out the best in me? Um, or is it just numbing me and just giving me whatever short-term relief I need right now? Um, mm -hmm. The question is, why do you need that relief? So the, the what is actually happening there? Um, do you need a break? If so, let's do a break. So what what do you do nowadays? So you've decided no longer to go for the glass of wine with the chopping of the vegetables. Um, or, <laughs> so so what do you do? What what are the alternatives that you have developed? Well, I think for me, another big piece of my puzzle was just my faith journey um, and my spiritual life is very important to me. And so just reflecting on when you get to the point, you know, mindful living is about slowing, you know, we rarely take the time mm. in our busy world to take that time. And perhaps that's why that slowing it down with me for the glass of wine and mm. taking the time. Mm. But even for people to take five or 10 minutes in the morning and just to journal or reflect or to pray, meditate, people don't really do that. You know, a lot of people do, but we mm. we're living in a fast paced, crazy world. And so to be mindful and to think. And so I was really at the point when I thought if, you know, alcohol, I always call it your it's your best friend of me. It's there for every situation. It's so readily available. It's there when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm stressed, when I'm angry, mm. when I'm bored, when I'm depressed. It it it's the best friend for all occasions and it never lets me down. It's always there. Uh, you know, it'll never leave my side. And so instead of going to that, I want to go to God. Like I want to go to my faith life. And so that was the last piece for me that, mm. um, I, I really want my intention. If I'm going to give thanks, I want to give thanks. If I'm going to, if I'm stressed or questioning, I want to pray and meditate. And so that's what I do. So what do I do in terms of it's not a matter of what am I now doing while I'm chopping the vegetables? It's I make sure that my day is includes dedicated, devoted time to my spiritual life. And people will say, I don't have time for that. And my answer is bullshit. You, everyone has time. It's what we choose to spend our time on and how we prioritize. And the great thing I like to say to people are, what are the three or four most important things to you? So I might say, like someone might say, my husband, my kids, being fit, and, was, you know, whatever. Okay, so how do you spend your day? Where do you, like, your time allotment of what do you do? Well, I go to a job I hate for eight hours. I run around and I barely see my husband tuck the kids in after their sports and we've spent three minutes together because we got dinner, fast food takeout. And then I watched three hours of Netflix. Okay. So, so let's back up then. So <laughs> what time did you carve out for your husband to have that emotional and physical intimacy and for your kids? You're so concerned, you know, you need to make these mesh. They need to, there needs to be cohesion there. And so you just reprioritize. And I know it sounds shitty, but sometimes you just have to get up the half hour early. If you want to find that time to, you know, if someone's saying, well, I've always wanted to try meditation or to journal or to, well, maybe get up 10 minutes earlier. I know that sounds really kind of crass, like, well, but I'm already stretched and I don't get enough sleep. How am I going to do it? 
well, maybe don't spend an hour on Instagram. Like I'm not being judgmental, but we are, if we really stop and analyze how we're spending our time, we'll see, I can take five minutes here. I can take this time and bring those all together. And now I have a little section of time for me to heal my heart, to heal my soul, to feed it and nurture it. That doesn't include the bottle, you know? So that's what I do for me. Was it not Abraham Lincoln who said, if they give me eight hours to fell a tree, I will spend six hours sharpening the soul? Um, so <laughs> exactly, we are not sharpening our souls. Our souls are blunt instruments and they you might mm. as well use a bloody stick and try to, to fell this tree. Um, and that is where we all are have, have become so so distracted in our mm -hmm. in our current world. We allow so many outside influences to distract us. And uh, it becomes nearly a, a badge of honor. Look, I can multitask. Yeah, oh, You make yes. uh, jokes about men. Oh, men can't market, multitask. You, you put them down for it. But at the same token, maybe you shouldn't multitask. Maybe you should actually focus on one thing and actually deal with it, whatever it is. Um, that includes emotions actually deal with an emotion experience it and and know how it feels like how it tastes so okay so that is depression cool okay hi depression nice to meet you good to see your old friend but no fuck off um because I yes you today so you actually have you have taken the time the moment to actually say ah that's what is happening today and maybe maybe see what these emotions what they really are and maybe then ask why are they there are they messengers mm -hmm. messengers from your body because you're hungry angry lonely tired the halt the big the big uh, triggers halt for me was the, the revelation because it was basically if i had three of these these adjectives um three of these features then oh i could see that bottle of wine and if i had four of them hungry angry lonely tired my goodness i mean in front of me mm -hmm. there was this crystal glass with condensation on the outside with an amber beautiful <laughs> liquor in there waiting to hug my insides oh come on okay hungry angry lonely tired once you actually start dealing and looking after yourselves stop running around like an idiot switch that television off switch your phone off and actually reconnect with yourself do something mm -hmm. for yourself sit in a spa ideally in a place where there is no wi-fi reception or walk the dog <laughs> actually go out hug a tree i mean literally hug that freaking tree and actually just be out there for five minutes and uh and literally experience life and just look at your breathing and just have a feeling oh i'm breathing in i'm breathing out hey cool it still works um you know focus on right now <laughs> yeah. how beautiful is that and this is the reconnection that we so poorly do in our modern society and uh, therefore, I, it's so beautiful to hear you saying that. Refocus and and rethink on your why. What is important to you? And then see if you're actually really fulfilling those needs. Because mm -hmm. that is important to you. And if you're now not fulfilling your needs, well, 
there's a constant pressure there's constant anxiety there's constant this 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 undercurrent of oh my god i'm not doing right and so you get yourself even busier and you then mistake oh i'm doing so much for everyone else and they don't love me back and you know you get all those kind of emotions now things get even worse so mm-hmm. maybe it's time for us to stop step off the rat race step off the the hamster wheel for a bit and i think that is what what you have so perfectly highlighted in your case it was the journey with jesus christ uh you you connecting with your spirituality what do you say to someone who who has who actually doesn't like god maybe they've had their own trauma mm-hmm. with the church uh maybe they have been abused as a child by some uh ymca leader or something like that um, unfortunately not very uncommon um so yeah. what do you say to someone like that i would say that get out in nature is mm. <laughs> what i would say i would you know even if you're in an urban landscape there are little enclaves that you can escape into green and nature mm. and just be there because i think that speaks to us mm. i think it, there is you know when we say the universe is one i think that's when when i feel it when i can i appreciate and and own that mm. sentiment that we're all connected mm. it's because I think we've all had that experience when you, we've been in nature in a beautiful landscape, you know, on in front of the ocean, on a mountaintop, in a valley, in beautiful autumn colors, whatever the case may be. We see beautiful, you know, I'm in Costa Rica and the beautiful, you know, palms and what have you. And our souls, we need that. We need to connect. And so it may not be, you know, for me and my journey was a very long questioning one. I did a lot of reading and I wasn't always, this wasn't always my faith journey. Um, And I rejected a lot and then questioned why I was rejecting and how much of that was I worried, how much had society formed my my opinion and how much had society formed my fears of rejection if I believe in God and what, you know, what kind of, you know, do yoga instructors say they believe in God and, you know, or is it, you know, (laughs) can they coexist? I don't want to lose my, you know. So I really do think two things from the time we're conceived, we're moving in our mother you know, we, we are born to move from those we're moving, moving, moving. Uh, and we've been, we become, not only are we not physically active, but we become sedentary. They're two very different things and they have two very dangerous health implications for us. So we need to be more physically active and moving in our day. We also need to get out in nature because nature deficit disorder is a real thing. It, it, it impacts us. So when we connect with nature and when we connect our bodies to to what we're intended to do it it just starts guiding you to make better choices and better decisions and to honor yourself in a different way and to recognize there's something beautiful in me and what you connect that beauty that inner light that inner divine i think there's an inner divine within all of us and what we attribute that to i'm not here to dictate that's your own journey but i see that that light in you and that's why i love you know namaste it's like let the light in me light and honor the light in you you know if i could live that out that turn that 
that word into a verb, into my mandate, then like, how great is that? Even just stopping and having eye contact, you know, as you know, in the world of addiction Mm. and alcoholism, people get to a place where they're so depleted and that we don't, we never know what someone else is thinking. Mm. And when I engage in eye contact with someone, you know, on a bus, I always like to challenge people. If you take public transit or walking down a street, make an effort to like Mm. smile and have true eye contact with someone because you may in your gaze validate that person in a way that reaffirms their actual existence. They may have been thinking, I am so worthless. Like my life is shit. I just don't want to keep going. And then I walk down the street and I smile at them in a way that says, I see you. Mm. You're here. Mm. Yes. And you smile a smile. That's like so giving and loving And that person then walks away saying, okay, okay, they saw me, I'm here. And so there are many things we can do that that really speak and soothe and just fill our hearts and souls that don't have to, you know, be my faith journey. Love it. Absolutely love it, Carrie. Um, These are are very beautiful insights and I, I share so many of them. I, I pride myself on on uh, talking in the same way or even better to the cleaner than I talk to the CEO. And uh, it is that kind of thing. I just had to reflect last night after work, I went uh, shopping and I had this really lovely discussion and a laugh with the checkout girl. And it was it was just putting a smile on her face. Mm. And that made me feel good. It made her feel good. Uh, and I walked out there with a smile myself, whilst probably I walked into the shop a bit more pensive and a bit more. Mm. Um, and it was nice. So it's not just something you do for others. You do it for yourself. Because yes. the, act, the act of giving, the act of being of service is such a beautiful thing that 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 lifts you up. And that is so easily done. A smile. You know, how beautiful is that? Eh? So, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. Kerry, I mean, if if people love to hear your message and want to know more about you, where can they find you? You can find me at kerryshell.com. So on my website and there, you know, if you're questioning about it, the whole great drinking thing, when you land there, I have a great drinking quiz. So you can answer these questions and you'll go through different sections about your social life, your intimacy, you know, different things that you'll really get a sense of where you are, how we're staying on this spectrum. There's also how I mentioned the 10 day reset. It's a free program for 10 days and, you know, go for it. Just decide you're going to do it. You're going to honor and love yourself enough to give yourself 10 days. And listen, I know it's scary. If you're a great drinker, the thought of giving up alcohol it's not easy. It's not like, oh, peace. If, if it were easy, then you're not a great drinker. The thought and fear that you're going to experience and the anxiety thinking, well, okay, I'm going to start tomorrow and I've got a full day tomorrow in that meeting. And then I've got to do this, this, and this. Like, how the hell am I not going to just, I, I'm going to need that wine at the end of the day. Screw that. I'll start the next day, right? There will be fears. There'll be worries. That's normal. And that's part of what the 10 days is about to to go through some of those things and to just say it's normal. If you weren't worrying and fearing and stressing, then this wouldn't be an issue because 
if you don't have a, if you're not a great drinker, you're not going to worry about missing the alcohol. Just like if you don't have a problem with eating with your diet, you're not going to worry about giving up junk food because you don't eat it anyways. So just know it's normal, but you are worth the time. You are worth the effort, you know, do it for you. Take the time and honor yourself. Beautiful. <laughs> and and what a shame that a certain industry has taken the you are worth it um, and has already <laughs> has already branded that. I know Damn. I'm cliche. Sorry. I know. No, it's not cliche. It is. You are worth it. You are. You are. It's just not just yeah. not with the but a bloody painting by numbers in your face. No, it is you're worth it that you look after yourself and that you stop and 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 take a deep breath and make yourself and learn how to feel good without mm -hmm. outside help, without outside validation, without that chemical input there that you actually learn your intrinsic value, which is huge. Mm. And that is that is all a journey that we are on. Some of us are a little bit further down the line on that path, and maybe therefore, you know, if you love Carrie's Carrie's message, look down there into the description of the YouTube channel and of the podcast. There are all the links down there. Once you're down there, press the like and subscribe button, and why not share some of your thoughts in the comment section on the on the video and on the podcast? Always love to hear from you guys, and and maybe maybe start a discussion and it's just having fun and and redefining fun in our lives as something where you don't need alcohol where you don't need a certain behavior uh to get to that point so now life is beautiful guys it was a beautiful beautiful interview carrie thank you so much for coming on to my show thank you, thank you so much really appreciated that and you guys out there look after yourself and live with passion okay bye I never give up, I never give up, I never give up, turn around.